Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Are you bad with money? Well, dear Lady Startup listener, my guest today might be able to help you with that. Welcome to Lady Startup, the show where we get the lowdown on how you build a business from women who've been there, done that. Just like me, I'm Rachel Corbett and I am the creator of the online podcasting course Pod School. And my guest today is the founder of SAS Financial and Sugar Mama TV, Canna Campbell. Canna was working as a financial planner for one of the major banks when she decided to jump ship and start her own boutique practice, SAS Financial. After building that up into a success, one of her clients, beauty vlogger Chloe Morello, suggested she start up her own YouTube channel. And so Sugar Mama TV was born. Canna now uses that platform to inspire over 90,000 followers to take control of their financial future. She's also written a book, The 1000 project and has another on the way. So how did she turn quitting her day job into two successful businesses? Well, that's what she's here to tell us. Kenna, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, you, I was reading, were quite the entrepreneur from a young age. I, I saw that you were selling biscuits to the builders at the bottom of your driveway at the ripe old age of 12. Yeah, hustling. <laughs> That's it, hustling. Was business in you or were you just money smart? Like, did you want to start a business or were you just good with finances? I think a combination of both. I actually, um, goes back even earlier than that, I used to make shoes out of paper at home and try and sell them to my parents. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I know, right? Very clever. It's okay. interesting, those kid businesses that we have. And when I was little, um, my uh, great auntie was a sewer and she used to say that she'd give us 10 cents for every pin we found on the floor of her sewing oh, room. I like that. Which is great, except that I'm not sure whether this is a good sign or it just shows that I'm a bit of a shongster. I used to go and find the pins and tip them out onto the floor <laughs> and then go That's around. That's quite clever, yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I appreciate that you didn't judge me for that. So so when you actually started your business, SAS Financial, mm. what was the reason for going out on your own? You know what, I'd always ummed and I'd always dreamt about the idea of working for myself, having my own thing. And my biggest client, I was working at one of the major banks, and it was actually one of my biggest clients that actually gave me that push. And he pulled me aside one day and said, why don't you go out on your own? I'll follow you. You know, you can do this. And that made me go home and think and within a very short period of time I was setting it all up in the background and then I submitted my resignation and all my clients actually walked with me from the bank to my own business and I've never looked back and you know you get such a different perspective when you work for yourself like you question your time so much more you question costs so much more it's it's been an incredible space to step in and I've never looked back and that client I still look after today like I think 15 years or later or even more and I actually he was the person I went to that I bounced my business name off because his background was actually advertising and he was like yep do it and here I am today. (laughs) That's a pretty lucky position to be in though because a lot of people are wondering whether or not to take the jump and do something on their own but it's literally leaping out into the abyss and going I've got to now hustle for my first client. And I look back like I had a mortgage at the time I actually said to my parents can I please borrow some money to start this business up this is what I want to do these are the numbers and they turned around and said no 
I was really irritated by that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let that get in my way. And I'm actually so glad they actually said no Mm. because I had to sink or swim. And I paddled so hard like to keep my head above water and make it work. And, you know, I did take a big risk. And I look back and I think, wow, I'm so glad I took that then. Because, you know, I knew worst case scenario, I could get another job. But I did a lot of planning and preparing before I submitted that resignation. I suppose that idea of necessity is a really important thing in people's journey because it does give you that kick up the bum. Yeah, that that passion, that drive, that desire to, you have to get and hustle and you, you can't sit around on your, you know, and dream and think. You actually have got to get out there and make it happen if you're really serious. When that first client came with you, was it sort of immediately that those other clients followed? I had such a great relationship with my clients. So they were like, when I spoke to them, they're like, well, we don't know anyone else. Like, we don't want to deal with anyone else. You know who we are. You know everything about us. Of course we're going with you. And mm. I was like, phew. <laughs> you, you were saying also in, a, in an interview that I read that you didn't realise that the risk was so great. Mm. What was it about when you started that business that you realised the risk was? Look, I was quite naive, as I said. I had a mortgage, so I had big financial responsibilities and looking at all those things was quite daunting. Um, so I'm glad I was quite naive to that because as you get older, you get a lot more risk averse and I probably would have taken longer to maybe make that leap. What do you think about people when they should jump? Do you think you should always jump before you're ready? <laughs> You've really got to look at like the reality of your situation. Like, what are you going into? Like, how long is it going to take before it makes money? What responsibilities have you got on your shoulders already? And I'm really big on starting it up on the side. Like these people who just hand in the resignation and then go and start their business. Oh, that's so dangerous. Mm. Do your nine to five or the hours you're doing and then stay up late working on your business. Get up early in the morning before work and work on your business. Work on the weekends. Have something like cooking before you jump in. Mm. I fear sometimes some people think there's a lifestyle that they want in terms of starting their own business Mm. and it's usually like, oh, I don't want to be under the boss's thumb. I want to have the flexibility to go out to the gym at lunchtime. And when you're trying to do things as a side hustle, you really realise that the people that succeed and actually turn that into a full-time job are really the ones who are willing to be sitting at the computer at one o'clock on a Saturday night, you know, just churning things out and and working 20-hour days if they need to, because Mm. that's the kind of fire that you need in your belly if it's ever going to last. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Like having that passion so it doesn't actually feel like you're working. Um, You know, you're happy to get out of bed at 5am because you know that it's, you're going to get this, these things done and it's going to like you know, invoice that client or you're going to secure that deal or, Mm. you know, reach out to these people. Like you don't even think of it as work. It's, you know, it's something that is burning inside you and it Mm. makes you spring out of bed. What did those early days look like of your company? Did you literally leave your job and then it was just a desk at your house? Like how did you set things up? I, You know what, I actually used a service office instead of having like paying for an office, which was a brilliant idea. What's a serviced office? Is that just when you get somebody to answer your phones, get a mailing address and that's it? Or? Yes, pretty much. Um, and you can still have meetings there. So I used, oh, I right. actually used ServeCorp and they had um, like, you know, receptionists that would take all my phone calls. If I needed a meeting room, she'd book that for me. I, I should greet my clients when they came in. My mail went there. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, that's really clever because that's the other thing when you get when you're working from home and you don't want to put your home address on everything. Yeah. 
know. Um, and also just to have somebody to answer the phones and make it sound like a professional organisation. Mm. There are a lot of really great ways to do that now. You've got SAS Financial, but you also have your YouTube channel, Sugar Mama TV. These are, I guess, two separate businesses in a way. Well, SAS owns Sugar Mama. Like all my technical knowledge comes from SAS Financial, from being a financial planner. Mm. I then use that to then put on my YouTube channel where I educate and inspire people around money. So they are two technically different businesses. One's a lot more creative. The other one's a lot more sort of mathematical and technical. But they obviously perfectly sort of feed into each yeah, other. Absolutely. And certainly in the, the space of expertise and being somebody who's teaching people something, there is this idea of giving free content, mm. you know, and yeah. that that sort of important way of reaching out to people to say, hey, you haven't invested in me yet, but this is how I can show you how my expertise are. Do you think having that kind of channel, if you do something um, in business, is a really important way to grow your customer base? Like, do you have people come in through the sugar mama side that then hire you for the financial services? It's a really interesting question. So SAS Financial is a boutique practice. And when I got to the stage with Sugar Mama, I just kind of exploded. I was sort of at this crossroad where I went, okay, I've got a great small business here, which I love and I'm really passionate about. I love my clients. I've got this thing that's exploding and I can reach unlimited number through Sugar Mama. With SAS, I'm limited to my time. Like it's mm. a lot, it doesn't have that scalability. So I made the decision to um, SAS Financial doesn't have any. It's not taking on any new clients. So I'm just looking after those clients, and those clients love what I do with Sugar Mama. They all know about it, and they think it's great, and they know that they're not going to lose me to that. So people who want to see me, it's through Sugar Mama. So Sugar Mama, I'm not using to try and direct clients into SAS. Right, but everything is about scaling yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. you know if you offer a service that requires your time mm. then everybody's trying to work out a way and I guess that's why people are going into YouTube into courses mm. into subscription models into things where people can actually pay a fee yep. and then you can reach three million people which you would never be able to find the time to do in your day-to-day -day life mm. obviously the big thing about shipping out content to people is that you have to come up with it yes. and it takes a long time you know what I actually never run out of ideas of content. This is great. So talk about how, whether I, you've got I any processes. It actually overwhelms me. <laughs> I do a shout out in my video. I'm like, guys, let me know what you want to hear from me, what you need me to explain, where, you know, and there is just this flowing river of demands. And I did worry when I started my YouTube channel and I wrote down like 10 video ideas. I was like, Oh dear, I can't think anymore. And yeah. um, oh my goodness, I'd, I'd like to be back at that. Yeah. Problem again. Well, I guess once you get a, you build a, an audience, they become a source of your content, mm. you know, because all of a sudden you can work out actually what would best serve them and then get the ideas from them. But when you're in the early stages of actually building up that audience, it's just you and a piece of paper and a pen going, hmm, yeah. what for the next week's video? <laughs> in terms of the time that it takes, because obviously everybody wants a really successful YouTube channel, everybody wants to be an Insta celebrity. That's a bit of a reality check for people in yeah. terms of the time it takes to come up with that stuff, to shoot it, to ship it out. You know, you can't have a YouTube channel if you're, especially if you're asking people to come there to subscribe, if you want to get to a point where you're getting people to pay for your services, then you need to be refreshing that content consistently. Mm -hmm. And that's a big ask. Yeah. It, what's the realities of the time that it takes to put something like that together? I think, you know, people watch like a 10 minute video of me and they think that only took me, I just hit a record and yeah. 10 minutes I spoke to the camera and stopped. Oh my goodness, there is so much work there is in time. Like preparing what I'm talking about, making sure I really know my subject, researching, talking to people about opinions before I go and record it. 
you know, then there's the going home, setting everything up, making sure my house is not a bomb stick behind me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking clean and presentable and recording it. And sometimes I will record a video seven times. And if I'm a little bit tired and getting a little bit tongue twisted, it just like snowballs. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's okay. Again, we do it again. And then it's, you know, the editing. That's not a slow process at all. Uploading, tagging, ex- descriptions, publishing, sharing, doing all the right call-outs, yeah, engagement, because that's incredibly important, mm. is engagement. And also you've got to do all this, not live, but you can't be doing content that's five months old. Like yeah. I always have a stockpile in my library of YouTube videos. So you know, if I'm busy, I've got a video ready to roll, but I can't have it too old because it's not, not relevant anymore. And people would notice things. They're like, oh, your hair is longer you know, yeah. sure, but like, you know, it's amazing what people pick up. Like, that's so why I like audio. Be, yeah, it's got to be live, and then you've got to engage. You've got to like people comment. You've got to reply mm. back. Everything's also got to be incredibly authentic. How many people do you have working for you? Um, oh, good question. Two girls that work for me. That's yeah. not... I've got an intern starting in a couple of weeks. And I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and get here. Like, I mean, you're like, <laughs> who was the first person that you hired? Like, what was the role that you hired first? I had a girl who was fantastic, who I she used to work with at the bank, and she came and worked for me um, in helping run SAS Financial, and she was fantastic. And then she um, left to have her second baby, and I've had some fantastic girls work for me, and I'm like a wounded, like I'm heartbroken oh, when they yeah. leave, but of course they've got to progress on to the next career, and I, I, you know, I support them, encourage them with welcome arms, and they're always welcome to come back. Mm. You know, I think you've got to be, you can't expect everyone to stay with you forever as much as I would love that it's not the reality of the world and I want to see people who work with me soar and spread their wings and go to the next chapter in their lives and if I can feed them as much technical information marketing knowledge inspire them myself then I've done a good job and they're good to go Did you push the business on your own to a point where you feel like you went too far? Because I think the common thing a lot of entrepreneurs say is that they wish they'd hired sooner, like because everybody sort of pushes and tries to do every single thing themselves. And then all of a sudden, you know, they realize they're about to have a nervous breakdown. They should probably bring somebody in. I almost had a nervous breakdown this morning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whenever I can afford help, I get it. But there are times where you can't, like you just, Mm. the numbers don't stack up. You can't afford to do it. And Okay, that means you do need to get up that hour early. You do need to work that later or you do need to take a shorter lunch break or no lunch break at all to get through the work. If it's got to be done, it's got to be done. And that's the reality of working for yourself. It's not for everybody. Although I guess when you do get to the point where you can hire people, it's that hard thing because you you sort of – it's the catch-22, right? You can't really afford to pay people mm. until you're bringing money in the door. But at the same time, actually having more hands can sometimes expand free you, free you up and free you up things. and do yeah. that classic sort of working on mm. the business instead of in the business. It's a very fine line, but it, I, I'll never jeopardise the success of my business. So if it means I have to hold out a couple more months before I can take someone on, I will do that. What, what would your financial advice be for people who want to start their own business? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, as I said, like get it cooking in the background before you make that leap. So you know that it's making money, that's actually going to work. You know, you've got some commitment there. Um, the other thing is obviously build up, you know, some s- savings to fall back on. If, if you know, you have a, a lull in business, you've got X amount of dollars that will cover you for like three to six months worth of living expenses um, so that you never have to sort of go back to the nine to five job because you ran out of cash just before it was about to take off. Um, make sure you get in front of people. Let people know that you're starting your own business. 
when people knew I was going out on my own, people were supportive. They wanted to encourage me. They wanted to support me. They recommended my services to other people. Be prepared to put in the long hours and be prepared to cope with the stress. Like waking up in the middle of the night, you know, stressing and umming and ahhing and wondering how it's going to work. You've got to build that mental resilience where you have those nerves of steel to push through. And, you know, have a, a mentor, someone that you can talk to or um, I even say, and I always sound like I feel like I'm going to sound a bit cray-cray by saying this, but <laughs> people have said to me, I, oh, I want an entrepreneur, but um, I don't know anyone. And I'm like, some of my mentors wouldn't even know they were a mentor to me. And when I get stuck in a situation, I'm like, how would that person handle this situation? How would they respond? And you can read about, you can, you know, if you don't know anyone that can be a mentor, pick up autobiographies of, of people that inspire you. Um, watch their videos, listen to their podcasts, like create your own imaginary mentor. That's a great tip because that mentor-mentee relationship is very, very useful. But you often see people trying to shoot an email at somebody who is super busy, doesn't have the time, has no idea who you are. And so there's no real relationship there. And also you often see people who are reaching out to individuals they want to be their mentor, but offering nothing in return. Like it can't be just a parasitic relationship where you basically sit down with somebody and say, I just want you to tell me everything I need to do and then I'm going to walk away. Mm. Um, You know, you might have somebody who just genuinely wants to help people, which a lot of entrepreneurs at a certain point do get to because they realise they didn't have the help. But, you know, it's hard to build those relationships because they do need to be authentic. Absolutely. And I had a business idea when I was running SAS Financial. It was to bring in, import this some food. And one of my clients is a huge importer of lollies. And I sort of went and had, I was having a meeting with him going through his finances. And I said, look, I've got this business idea. I want to talk, can I you know, talk to you about it? And he was like, do not try and deviate into other businesses. Stick to what you know. He said, it's the biggest mistake I ever made. And I parked the idea and I'm so glad I never did that because that, there's no way I could have done that. Like wow. it wouldn't have worked. And that was great. Like he, he told me, don't do it. What about the idea of investment? Because I think sometimes people think if I'm going to go into business and I'm going to start, I need to go and find money from people rather than kind of just starting and bootstrapping and building it up. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts about because yeah. you need to be really careful. Some some ideas, hey, if you want to build something that requires a lot of infrastructure mm. and you know, and there's a lot of thing, moving parts, then you probably are going to need to find some money. But I think sometimes people are too quick to borrow, even if it's not just finding investors, yeah. but li- literally borrowing money yeah. and getting themselves pretty significantly in debt. So you're already on the back foot. Exactly. That's why you've got to have some skin in the game. Like if you're really serious about this business, like sets, you've got to have invested in it yourself. You've got mm. to put your heart into it, and that's why I'm so glad my parents never gave me that loan because I had to do it myself. It was my own savings. It was my own money. Sometimes I think psychologically when we borrow money, we're a bit, we can be sometimes a little relaxed or complacent. Get your hard-earned money. You'll make it so much more real. You'll be so much more present and conscious and aware and it will like put that rocket up your backside to make sure you actually get that because it's your hard-earned money that took you a year to save up or six months to save up or five years to save up do it like you've got to have skin in the game Mm. i would never invest in a business where the person who's running that business wasn't invested in as well i would i would walk away they're they're not serious enough good tip i'm always interested in talking to female entrepreneurs about that mum work juggle (laughs) because i feel like it's something that women struggle struggle, right (laughs) yeah Yeah. because it's something that a lot of women really beat themselves up about it's like oh oh my goodness the guilt Mm. the huge guilt and i Mm. think i'm a i'm a kid of a mum who worked and was pretty absent really in my early years Mm. 
And I don't remember holding that against her at all. Mm. You know, she was the times that she was around, it was spectacular. But actually, the the lessons that I learned out of watching a mother who worked yeah. Yeah. were so much more valuable than the absence. You know, it's not like she I didn't see her for three years, but mm. she was pretty much absent. My grandma basically raised us. Mm. But the benefits to me of how that's built me up as a person, I think far outweigh. But when we get to a certain point where it's our time to be the parents, Mm. the idea of, oh, my goodness, if I'm not there all the time, I'm going to ruin my child. I can't. So it's that struggle between being an inspiration and also being a present parent. parent. It is so hard. Um, This morning I had a meltdown, like everything, my my dryer broke, it was starting to rain. Um, An ant colony like came into my home. Um, my son Rocco decided he'd hurt his foot and that I must carry him around the house. So I'd carry him from the bathroom to the bedroom to the kitchen to the, you know, it was, and I was running late and I was sweating and it was just, oh. And then he spilt milk everywhere. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> um, so he got the lecture from me in the car, like, you need to listen to me. But it is really hard. You've got to put yourself first, though, and this has taken a long time for me to realize this. You're better off, a better mother, if you can pick your child up, knowing you've got all the stuff, you've got your work done, the house is tidy, and you, you're organised, and pick up and be like, okay, I'm here. You know what? You've now got my undivided attention. I'm all yours. I'm going to be completely present. No phones. We're going to talk. We're going to chat. We're going to play snacks and ladders, um, whatever they you know want to do, and inject that quality time rather than being there. Mm. And I catch myself falling out of this trap all the time. Like yesterday, I took my son to karate. He, there he's doing karate and I'm on my bloody phone, like mm. clearing my emails because I was juggling so much at the moment. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. But uh, you do have to, if you can set aside some quality time, those beautiful, precious moments where, you know, you've got them and they've got you and you can connect, that's okay. And I, my, my, I have exactly the same situation. My, I was brought up by a nanny. Like my parents, I did barely saw them during the week and on the weekends they were, you know, busy. But they installed an incredible worth ethic and an incredible respect of of hard work and financial success that comes from it. So I am really grateful for that. And I'm starting to realise that in Rocco. My Mother's Day card was, I love my mum. She spends a lot of time on her laptop. And I was in (laughs) Oh, no, that's a heartbreaker. I was so upset. And I emailed his daycare teacher. I'm like... Oh my gosh, is this a sign that I'm like neglecting Aww. my child? And she wrote back and she's like, please don't worry, he loves you so much. He said, she's dying. My child wrote on my Mother's Day card, I love my mum, she drinks a lot of wine. <laughs> and, it could be yeah, worse. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, thank goodness. But she's like, no, not at all. Like, he's mm. just observing that you're, you, you're really passionate about your work and that you, you know, you have to do it. And you would want him to be the same and he will be because of what he's seen, you know. You mm, see I hope so. yeah, yeah, you see when you're a kid and you see your parents, you want to be what your parents are, you know. You mm. learn those skills and you we all want to raise resilient kids, right? That are going to yeah. be passionate about what they do mm. and realize that you have to work really hard. And yeah. I think as women we give ourselves such a hard time about this that if we're not present all the time, then we're bad mothers. But at the same time, it is such a good lesson to teach your kids Mm. that if you want to work, you need to work hard and you can get to where you want to be, you know. You've written a a book uh, and it's based on the Thousand Dollar Project is what it's called and it's based on basically this system of coming up with little $1,000 parcels Mm. of money. I guess as a a business person, particularly sort of an expert that's giving advice to people, there is that sense that you need to come up with your 
signature idea, right? It's like a simple, easy to mm-hmm. explain concept and that has like a cool title, you know, <laughs> and an easy to digest title that simplifies what seems to be a complex mm. process. And I suppose this the $1,000 project is that for you in a way. This is a call to action for people to go, you know what, I'm sick of living this life. I'm sick of anxiety that comes from money um, or lack of money. I'm going to be more mindful with my money and spend more consciously and I'm actually proactively going to do something with those savings and I'm also going to look outside the square and not be defined or limited by the fact I earn X amount of dollars per year from this salary. I've got spare time that I can get out and do other things to earn extra money. You know, there um, there might be a little business idea that you have bubbling in the background that you could potentially, like, launch. Actually, even in the $1,000 project, there was this, these three sisters in Scotland that were doing the $1,000 project because they needed to fix up their, I think it was a cafe that they were running and they just didn't have the money. So they did the $1,000 project to help pay for like just refurbishment and extra things they needed. Then from that, they've essentially launched a second business within their business and it's exploded. It's done. It's a um, scone business. I think it's called Scone Box. And they um, send off like these scones and like everything you need to have a, like a tea party for mm. um, scones. And when I email them, say, hey, you're, thank you for your story. You actually got picked to go in the book. They actually wrote this long email back going, you wouldn't believe what the $1,000 project's done for our business. It's actually, we've got this online business now that's come out from this and um, it's going gangbusters. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, wow, how yeah. cool is that? Like, that inspires me back. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think some businesses, obviously, that people are going to start up are going to be goods and, you know, goods businesses where you're just basically mm. selling products. But for anybody who's thinking about starting their own business and they're coming from a space of like they've got some expertise that they want to share with people or they want to teach people, some people go into business thinking, well, I just want the money, you know. Mm. But the idea of actually changing people's lives and if you like think about the business that you have in a different way, not just like how can I bring money into my bank account, But the real businesses that survive and thrive are the ones that sort of create that change within people. Yeah, they give out. Yeah. And you give out unconditionally. Yeah, and then not only are you funding your life and doing something that gives you purpose, but also you're getting emails from people who say, you've changed my life. Yeah. That's no small thing. No, no, not at all. If you had your time again with this business, is there anything that you would have done differently? I would have liked to maybe started it earlier, but you know what, everything in life, I think the universe works perfectly. What What is your dream for the future of your business? SAS Financial is my concrete foundation and I would always keep that going. Shrew Mama, I've had to come to the realisation that this is a business and it, it has a, a much greater scale to help a lot more people. I am... You know, I love what I love SAS. I'm protective of it, but I understand that I do need to use that to make a, sh- a change in the world. And as corny as that sounds, but people around the world can listen to it, and it's free. Mm. And if I help a single mother who's struggling to pay the bills get back on top of their finance of her finances and support her family, it's worth it. And are there more books on the boil? Yeah, we're actually <laughs> in the middle of negotiating Sugar Mama the book, um, which is really exciting. And um, I'm going to make sure this time it's it's global. So because I have a lot of followers around the world, I'll be able to write technical content for their, each of their countries. So, um, And also there's another book I'm working on potentially as a collaboration with an amazing mentor who mm. I does exist as a physical person <laughs> who I absolutely adore, Peter Thornhill, who wrote the book Motivated Money, which is a fantastic finance book because mm. um, he's probably more passionate than I am um, about like educating and that financial literacy gap and making people like 
bring more balance back into their life just like I am. You, you were saying obviously for people who want to start their own business, saving money is, is an important key. Obviously get the $1,000 project if you want to do that because that's going to be an easy way to do it. Mm. And also finding a mentor. But was, is there one sort of central piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's sitting listening going, gosh, I really want to start but I don't know if I can. I don't know what the first step is. Just start it. Like you can sit and um and ah and wonder and, you know, contemplate for a long time but you're wasting a lot of time. Just give it a go. You've got nothing to lose. You'll gain a lot, like about you learn a lot about yourself, about how strong you are, how capable you are. You'll learn more about what how that business really operates, even if it fails. And you know what? I'm always failing. I fail every day. But you know, as long as I'm failing in the right direction, I'm okay with that. Kenna, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me for my chat with Kenna Campbell. Now, if you're not part of our Lady Startup community yet, what are you doing? You must head to ladystartup.com.au immediately and sign up for our newsletter so you'll be the first to find out all of the awesome stuff that we've got on the way, including courses and live events, everything that you need to get your Lady Startup dream happening. Make sure you also jump onto our Lady Startup Instagram page too. There's heaps of awesome female businesses being featured on there every single day. Next week on the show, I'm chatting with Taryn Brumford, the founder of the Body Image Movement, a movement that really picked up steam after she posted a before and after image of herself that went viral. And she talks about how getting that kind of intense attention really quickly isn't always a great thing. The media uh, for a long time treated me like a media sensation. Mm. And I knew that I had so much more to say. And I knew the message and my story and the many, many inspiring stories of women around the world. They had so much substance and depth Mm. and I never felt that the respect was given to how serious this issue is. I'll see you next week for that chat on Lady Startup.